on your Thursday episode of Locked on Raptors. It wasn't always pretty. It was certainly not clean, but the Toronto Raptors take down the Phoenix Suns to snap their seven-game winning streak. We'll dig into how it happened on today's show. Thanks for Hank. Oh, like because when I shot, I expected to make it. So like, I don't shoot trying to miss. You are Locked on Raptors, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. going on and welcome to another episode of Lockdown Raptors, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Thursday, November the 30th, and I'm your host, Sean Woodley. I've been covering the Toronto Raptors now for 10 seasons on various platforms. You can find all my work over on the website that don't work so good at Woodley Sean. You can find the show on Instagram at Lockdown Raptors. And of course, come hang out in our Discord server, baby. The link is in the description of the podcast, and it's a great place to be on a night where the Toronto Raptors are taking down the hottest team in the NBA, and every other night in between as well. It's free to join. It's a great little community we got building around the show. So if you're a listener, if you're a little sicko, just like all the people in the Discord who wants to be among other sickos, join the link in the description to do that. You can also follow the show, subscribe, rate, review, etc. wherever you get your podcasts on the audio side of things. And we are on YouTube, of course. You can hit the little subscribe button and the notification bell to get a heads up every single time the show is about to post uh, today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, use the code Locked on NBA for twenty dollars off your first purchase. And we are off and running with a breakdown of the Toronto Raptors' very fun one twelve one oh five win over the Phoenix Suns on Wednesday night. Uh, a pretty impressive one, I would say, considering the circumstances. A pretty disenchanting win against the uh, sorry loss that is to the Brooklyn Nets on Tuesday night a team that the Raptors by all regards should probably beat and they just kind of let it all come unspooled in the last few minutes of that one uh so not the best but you bounce back you know despite flight troubles and getting back into Toronto at 4 a.m which is like a really nice top to bottom performance lots of really good contributions in this game And that's kind of the tone and tenor of today's show. We're going to kind of go through all the various dudes who packed their lunch buckets and brought them to this game. And uh, we'll dig into what's in those lunch buckets. What little treats did they offer uh, to the Raptors over the course of this one? We got the good, the bad, and the hmm, of course. But we should probably start off with the lunch bucket bringer in chief from this game. And that's Scotty Barnes. Uh, Really, really encouraging game. From Scotty Barnes, who, as we talked about on yesterday's show, had been slumping a little bit over the last five games or so, uh, not quite having the same pop and energy and sort of night-to-night you know, night night sort of reliability when it comes to the energy for the full 48 minutes. And that was snapped very much in this game. I thought Scotty Barnes was awesome. Basically, start to finish, I thought, you know, he wasn't heavily featured in the offense in the first half necessarily, but that his defensive contributions were pretty enormous. And obviously, the second half kicks in. The Suns start making a run, and Scotty Barnes multiple times is there with the counterpunch against what the Suns were doing. And I was just really, really impressed, man. This was an awesome, awesome Scotty Barnes game. His sort of fingers caught up in the cookie jar. What, what was that the phrase I'm looking for? All up in whatever the Raptors were doing good, Scotty Barnes was in the mix, kind of causing a lot of those good things to take place, whether he was scoring himself 
creating for others. The defense, obviously, three blocks in this game, a couple of really, really loud ones in particular. Uh, just a really, really thrilling kind of vintage fourth quarter Scotty performance that you know began kind of halfway through the third quarter when the Phoenix Suns took the lead, 74-72. That was kind of the inflection point of this game, and it really felt like it could have flipped there where, oh, you know what, they've led all the way. The Suns kind of come in, take over, and, you know, Kevin Durant and Devin Booker, who, of course, was hampered by a couple of injuries in this game, uh, it seemed, played 32 minutes, but was not very good at all. That certainly helped the Raptors' cause, but you figured, hey, you know what, they take the lead. It was a noble effort. They're the hottest team in the league. They're probably going to close this thing out, but no, it just the the punchback we've seen from this team it's to me at this point, it's like a trend. It's like a thing that is very clearly part of the DNA of this basketball team is, yeah, they will take their lumps. They will have games where they don't look so hot, where things are pretty unconnected, but they are pretty reliable when it comes to punching back and kind of not letting it get away from them. They're not going to be the type of team that I think falls behind, you know, four five, six games under 500 because they lose the rope. They seem like a team that's kind of got the, I don't know, just the, the sort of know-how of, okay, something bad happened. We can just kind of bounce back, forget it, and have a, a nice night the next time out. And I think, you know, it's maddening because when this team tries really hard, they're very clearly hard to beat and they're quite good and they're really sort of oppressive to play against. It's been the effort that's kind of waxed and waned a little bit over, you know, first half lulls or, you know, full games where they haven't quite brought it in, in recent weeks here. But uh, for the most part, I, I'm pretty encouraged by a lot of the stuff we're seeing. And again, if Scotty Barnes is going to do what he did last night, things get a whole lot easier for this team every single night. 23, 7 and 4 for Scotty. Again, the three blocks, a plus 14. Um, we'll get into some of the work he did with the bench lineups coming up in the back part of the show. But uh, overall, you know, full on lunch bucket, bring in Scotty Barnes and like they're going to take the cues from him. Right. If he is doing the thing where he's kind of inserting himself into every single possession in some way, shape or form, whether it's making a pass, whether it's, you know, creating a shot for himself, whether it's grabbing an offensive rebound or extending, uh, extending a busted possession. When Scotty Barnes is kind of at full maniac mode, this team is uh, it all kind of falls into place and looks really bloody good. And of course, it wasn't just Scotty in this game. Right. I thought. You know, obviously there was kind of like a weird, you know, Pascal heavy first half, Scotty heavy second half. And some might look at that and say, oh, well, that's not good. You, you got to have all these guys on the same page at all the same times. Is This speaks to their inability to fit. I think that's silly. I think this was kind of a perfect encapsulation of what you want a Scotty Barnes and Pascal Siakam one two to look like. This is what second options do in the form of Pascal Siakam, right? He was there in the first half to size up some mismatches. He had a really hot start to this game. They rode that hot start for a little bit on the offensive end. Uh, he chipped in some awesome defense, of course, in the latter parts of the game as the usage more tilted towards Scotty. But I, I think Pascal was still kind of in the mix on a lot of stuff, right? He got blocked at the rim a couple times. He had a couple really nice cuts and connections with Scotty that didn't end up with baskets, but I thought the process was really nice there. Um, and I think, again, this is kind of what you want from a second option. You kind of take the game and whatever the flow is giving you, you occupy the pockets of the game in which you can kind of cook that the game kind of allows for. Thoughts Pascal did that wonderfully in the first half. And then the second half comes around and it's closer time. It's time for your number one dude to kind of step in there and do it. And that this is what second options do. They bridge the gap until the number one dude takes over and does number one dude stuff. And I think this was a pretty decent blueprint for how the Scotty Pascal partnership can work if, in fact, they want to keep it together long term. And look, they might not want to. That's, you know, that's one of the big things hanging over this whole season. It's no secret to anybody else. 
But I thought this game was a pretty good example of, you know, if Scotty Barnes is kind of at peak Scotty Barnes mode doing the thing, uh, Siakam can very nicely slide into the proper role for him, which is not a closer, not a number one option. He can be a number two who can take pockets of the game and run with them and stem the tide until Scotty kind of comes in and does the closer thing. And boy, oh boy, did Scotty do the closer thing. I, I mean, just like possession after possession. I think obviously the really big one that stands out in the fourth quarter is the Suns are kind of making a bit of a push. They cut it to 88-86 and then two straight possessions. Scotty steps into a pull-up three cash and then gets himself to the line for an and one opportunity and balloons the lead back out to eight and that was just like that's the stuff you want to see man that's really really exciting you know finding his way into that floater range he had a little bit more success in the second half and he did in the first half in this one or that he's had recently um you know kind of getting to that three to ten foot area putting up those uh those push shots that were going um, you know, the the step through he had uh, just like a really, really beautiful bit of footwork to have that uh, gorgeous bucket go down. Just really, really thrilling stuff from Scotty Barnes. And again, Pascal Siakam, I think, is a number two right hand man in this one. Pretty effective, even though he only finishes nine of 21 from the field. He goes eight of 16 from two. That's good. Um, in a game where he was kind of getting hacked to bits <laughs> on a lot of his drives. Both teams were right. This was, a, I think, a pretty. Um, you know, I think they were pretty even free throw wise, 27, 26 free throw wise, but there was a lot of stuff that wasn't going called as well and, or wasn't getting called. And I thought it was, uh, again, kind of lunch buckets from everybody really just kind of nasty, grimy, a lot of guile in this one for every member of the Toronto Raptors. And I thought Scotty and Pascal were kind of the dudes who, who set the tone for that whole thing. Um, Scotty in particular, really, really good stuff from Scotty eight of eight from the line as well. The team goes 18 of 21 from the line. Thrilling, outstanding. Uh, yeah, I, nice game. I don't know. I, I I had a lot of fun watching this basketball game. I thought the Raptors, kind of led by Scotty Barnes and Pascal, did a really nice job of limiting the Suns, not kind of giving them what they wanted. I thought OG was really bloody impressive. We'll talk about him coming up among some other guys who also brought their lunch buckets for this one. But um, you know, this team is going to go as its best players go. And uh, Scotty Barnes doing what he did, you know, 23, seven and four Pascal, 22, nine and three really good stuff. Can't complain one bit about what the big horses did for the Raptors in this one. We'll come back on the other side, get into some other lunch bucket dudes, guys who offered some real contributions to the winning effort in this one. And there's a whole lot, there's a long list of guys in this one. It's really great. It was a, a game where everyone kind of had something to say about the end result. We'll get into that momentarily here on the show. Before we do that, however, got to tell you about our good friends over at Game Time, the number one place for you to go and buy tickets for your next event, whether it's a sport, whether it's comedy, theater, music, whatever it might be. Game time is the place to go because they take the guesswork out. They have killer last minute deals. They have all in prices, views from your seat, and their best price guarantee. Game time totally removes the worst part of the ticket buying experience, which is the uncertainty, which is the guesswork. Uh, they have deals on tickets right up to the start of your event. Even an hour after it starts, it's the place to get those last minute deals on seats that you want to get. I love using game time during the NBA season. You know, a weeknight comes along, maybe the Raptors are playing like the Hornets or the Wizards or the Hawks or some team that's not exactly a premium opponent. A really great thing to do during that day, three o'clock, four o'clock in the afternoon. Look at game time. See what they got for last minute deals. You can score yourself some pretty good seats to go and see the Raptors in person if you are perusing at the right time. 
Take the guesswork out of buying tickets with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, use the code Locked in NBA for twenty bucks off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account, redeem the code Locked in NBA for twenty dollars off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. All right, we continue on here with your first listen of the day. Uh, and again, like this is a pretty haphazard podcast. We're just kind of going through guys and talking about the good stuff they did in the win over the Suns. So, uh, you know, less structure than usual. But I think there's just a lot of dudes who deserve some flowers in this one. So we'll do that. Um, a reminder, though, before we dive into the work of Dennis Schroeder and OG Ananobi and Jakob Pertl and Precious Achua. Oh, my God, Precious Achua. What a game. Um, should tell you. Uh, Locked on Sports 24-7. It's a 24-7 stream on YouTube of all of the national shows from the Locked On Podcast Network and the local shows covering the biggest stories in the sports world each and every day. So go check it out. Subscribe. In fact, you watch this episode on YouTube, you're going to get sent right to that channel. You can subscribe right there. So please do that. Support Locked On Sports 24-7. The first streaming channel of its kind. Okay. Let's dive in to some other dudes who were very workmanly in this game and brought a lot to the table. We should start with Dennis Schroeder, I think. Really great game from Dennis Schroeder. Even though he was just 3 of 11 from the field, there were a couple of kind of queasy heat check shots and stuff in there. Overall, I thought this was kind of like a perfect version of what the Raptors should be looking for from Dennis Schroeder. He goes 1 of 2 from 3. You know, Maybe you want to see a little bit more than that, but... Overall, he picked his spots. He didn't, you know, commandeer the offense. He kind of let the main guys cook. And I thought the way he kind of set guys up in this game was really bloody fantastic. You know, we're going to talk about Jakob Pertl in a second. He's leading the NBA in effective field goal percentage. That is in no small part due to Dennis Schroeder getting him looks in pick and roll and having him, obviously he's getting looks elsewhere as well, but I feel like that pick and roll chemistry is really coming along and, you know, that's a duo as a pick and roll combo that doesn't have a ton of space to work with, right? Like no one's worried about Dennis as a pull up three point shooter. You know, it's just not a thing. He's obviously not a great finisher at the rim either over the course of his career. But the the way that he's been able to kind of deliver these passes to Yak in pick and roll actions, you know, I think he's gotten better at kind of giving the, him the ball up high. And I just think the passing chops on Schroeder in the close quarters in which these guys are operating in their two-man game have been kind of a, a huge, huge thing to kind of, I think, have this duo kind of perform above what their station might be just as a standard pick-and-roll combo when you factor in the skills at play here. Um, and so, yeah, Dennis Schroeder, really, really awesome. And, of course, we got to talk about the dagger bucket in the last minute of this game. Kind of seemed like a possession that was going nowhere. And I, I think there is maybe even just like some looks of, oh God, is Dennis going to do this thing? No, 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 no. Yes. Of course, he takes Yusuf Nurkic off the bounce, scores the, the game deciding bucket essentially to put him up by five. And I, I just, is there a more, I guess we can kind of rank the surefire buckets on this Raptors team. Jakob Pertl inside six feet is number one. The dude shooting 86.2% at the rim. That's a surefire bucket. When you get him the ball in close, he's going to score. Um, I think Pascal Siakam on a post-up, pretty darn good. You know, Scotty Barnes apparently just jacking a catch-and-shoot three. It's money. Uh, <laughs> a little hyperbolic there, of course. But, you know, Scotty Barnes can find himself to some easy buckets as well. I don't know if anyone can find themselves to a bucket as easily on their own without any sort of assist or help and creation then Dennis Schroeder sizing up a slow fool and cooking them off the bounce. And it's a nice element that he's added to this Raptors team. 
And, you know, when you're at a position like that where you need a bucket, obviously Pascal and Scotty, you know, you want to flow things through them as much as you can. But why not take the matchup if it's there? You've got Yusuf Nurkic on Dennis Schroeder on the perimeter. That is a bucket. That is a blow-by waiting to happen. That is uh, finishing at the rim or at the very least a Suns collapse at the rim and a kickout. Um, you know, that's that's just exactly what's going to happen there. I thought it was really heady of Dennis Schroeder to just kind of take it there and call his own number in that spot. Don't always love it when he calls his own number, but uh, after a night of distributing 12 assists uh, to zero turnovers, just like a really, really excellent point guard-ish performance from Dennis Schroeder, kind of living the entire embodiment of the position in this one, uh, I think he kind of earned the right to go call his number and finish this game off down the stretch. Really like this game from Dennis. One of my favorite Dennis games of the year, I would say, even though he just shot three of 11 and only got two threes up. A lot of good stuff from Schroeder in this one. Uh, another guy we should probably shout out, OG Ananobi, man. I could watch OG play defense on Kevin Durant or any of the stars of the NBA all day long. Just a continuous loop of the footwork and the timing and the uh, discipline that we see OG Ananobi have guarding these incredible otherworldly wing types. It's just fascinating, incredible basketball to watch. It's like sicko stuff, just kind of digging in and watching the defensive possessions for OG, even watching him kind of fight away from the ball to navigate through screens to keep up with Kevin Durant. That was thrilling to watch in this game. Um, you know, just he's so good at defense. It's unbelievable how much he encumbers the opposing team and the opposing best players with what he does. I mean, Durant goes 11 of 30 in this game. Not all of it, of course, uh, with OG as the guarding, you know, the, the, the primary guard or, or whatever, right? Like you're going to have various matchups. I think Scotty Barnes guarded him for quite long stretches of this game as well. But anytime OG is guarding a Kevin Durant type, anyone sort of on that tier, on that level of superstar, it's like watching the mountain fight scene from the first Hobbit movie. It's just theatrical. It's awesome. And OG, you know, combined a really, really great defensive performance with an awesome offensive night in a, you know, smaller role, of course, just 10 shots, but he goes three of five from deep. He had the finish, a couple of finishes with the left on drives and he got an and one at one point. Um, you know, you combine the 13 points, the three steals, the block, the plus one overall, which I don't think is all that ind indicative of how bloody good he was in this game. Really, really nice OG game. As far as like the the trio of Pascal, Scotty, OG, like they've had a higher scoring outputs, I think, as a trio. But I did find this game to me was like one of the more exciting sort of balance between the trio games. And, uh, you know, you're going to have guys who have more shots or less shots or whatever. But I think in general, the um, the balance between those guys, the way they helped one another and kind of flowed into one another, I thought was really, really nice in this one. So shout out to, to OG for bringing the lunch bucket against Kevin Durant. Yaka Pirtle. I think he was really good on defense in this game. I thought this was a really nice defensive effort from the Raptors overall. We were talking yesterday about kind of how it came undone late, both in the, the Nets games and the Cavs games, right? Like the sort of late game defense is what uh, did the Raptors in in both of those games. And not the case in this one. I, I think Jakob Pertl was pretty outstanding um, for most of this one. You know, not crazy numbers or anything like that. He had the 17 points. He shoots eight for nine because he just never misses shots anymore. It's hilarious. Um, only just the one block. But I thought the footwork from from Yak, I think just like we've seen a lot of Yaka Pertle have to guard on the perimeter and stick with guys away from the rim. 
and track back to the rim to then be the last line of defense. I think he's done a really nice job of that this season. Um, you know, he, he's, he'll have his moments. He's not the best center in the world or anything like that, but just as like a really steady dude, 20 million bucks. I know people are like up in arms about oh, $20 million for Yaka Pertle. How could you trade a first round pick for Yaka Pertle? Oh my God. Uh, it's because he's a good player and this team is better off with him on it than not. Even if the fit is suboptimal, uh, he's really, really good. He, he, he just, he does a lot of things to help you win basketball games. And I thought his defense in this one was outstanding. There's a play I'm going to highlight in the good, the bad, and the hmm in particular that I thought was just like a really great example of what Yaka Pertle provides as a defensive center. Um, he was awesome. Loved it. Also, we got a shout out precious Achua for this one. I mean, just dogged in this one six offensive rebounds i think most of them came on exactly one possession uh where you had like two missed malachi flynn threes a pascal missing transition a couple of bunnies missed around the rim in the fourth quarter um or was it the third quarter yeah it was just after that sort of spell where the uh where the sorry, where the Suns had kind of taken the lead and then Scotty punched back. And it was right in that stretch of the game in the third quarter where just the hustle plays, the they're just like leaving it out there, man. It was great. Like that's the stuff you want to watch night tonight. That's the stuff that keeps you compelled and entertained and like makes you want to root for a team. And Precious Achua, I think, was kind of the number one uh, progenitor outside of Scotty Barnes of just like the insane hustle plays that extended busted possessions, the epitome of getting it done ugly. It doesn't have to be pretty. It still counts if it goes in the bucket eventually. And uh, I thought Precious was uh, really, really, really fun to watch in this one. I'm never quitting Precious Achua is the thing. I, I just can't. I, I simply refuse, even if every other game he's going to uh, make you want to lose your mind. And even in a game like this, he has like some travels, some kind of weird uh gaffes here and there doesn't matter he was awesome uh and to get 14 points out of him and 13 from gary trent jr who i also thought was quite nice in this game those three seven from deep the two still not falling for him at all but um yeah this was a, a really nice game to see from precious achua you get a couple of guys popping off the bench here this raptors team is in pretty good shape um and you know there was very little chris boucher very little Jalen mcdaniel's contribution this was basically three bench guys coming in achua flynn and trent and they did enough they they offered enough to support the starters without the starters having to be overtaxed or anything like that um again nice team win lots of lots of lots of dudes chipping in good stuff in this game again those lunch pails packed to the gills with good stuff uh we'll come back on the other side get into the good the bad and the hmm to round out the show before we do that, however, got to tell you about our friends over at FanDuel, the number one sports book in North America. And you got to check it right out right now because as the weather gets colder, the NFL offers stay hot on FanDuel. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet on an NFL game. That's $150 if your team wins. That is pretty sweet. And you can use that $150 in all sorts of different ways on the FanDuel website once you've won it. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. You can, of course, throw some money down on all sorts of things, spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. And it's not just football, of course. Maybe you do that football bet to get that 150 bucks in the money line win, but then you can apply it to an NBA over-under or uh, anything, you know, hockey, baseball futures. Where will Shohei Otani play next? Toronto, of course. It's all there on FanDuel. For you to go and check out so visit fanduel.com slash locked on and kick off the nfl season fanduel official partner of the nfl all right let's round it out here the way we round out every game recap show here on the pod we're going to dig into the good 
the bad, and the hmm, a thing I liked, a thing I didn't like, and a thing that's got me a little bit intrigued from the most recent Toronto Raptors basketball game. The good for me, there was a possession at 245 of the second quarter that I think is just like such a perfect encapsulation of what this Raptors team can be and is kind of striving for. It was a really, really masterfully defended possession. It's a pick and roll between De- Devin Booker and Yusuf Nurkic. Uh, the screen catches OG. OG's a little behind the play, and Booker starts getting downhill. And Jakob Pertl's just in this like perfect stance as the drop big, perfectly minding the space between Devin Booker and Yusuf Nurkic, never out of touch with either of them, and slows up Booker's drive enough for OG to come in with a titanic swat. Then it goes the other way. Dennis hits uh, Siakam on the run and one in transition. Like, that is Raptors basketball, baby. And that one got me out of my seat. That was uh, a really, really awesome sequence. That's my good. Just uh, And there were lots of really nice sequences in this game where lots of really good, thing happen- good things happened. Um, you know, Dennis passing to Pascal on the run in this game led to lots of good things. Just ask Kevin Durant, who got nutmegged by Dennis Schroeder. My bonus good for this game. Dennis Schroeder nutmegged freaking Kevin Durant. That's awesome. Very cool. Had a blast with this game. I'm juiced up, man. It was fun. I, I, I'm Look, they're 9 and 10. Maybe I'm a rube who just is like content with 500 basketball. I, I can accept that if that's what the case is. But um, there's some good stuff in this one. And I continue to think this team's got more juice than their record indicates so far. Um, we'll get into that a little bit more. Let's get into the bad, shall we? Uh, Not really a bad. This was an almost bad. I wrote down in my notes, bad, at the start of the fourth quarter as the Scotty plus three, four bench dudes lineup was out there. It was McDaniels. It was uh, Achua, Flynn, and Gary Trent Jr. out there to start that fourth quarter. Um, It was hairy for a second there. You got Chemezi Metu hitting shots. You have them cutting the lead down to two from uh, seven, I think, going into the fourth quarter. And uh, it was, you know, uh, like, okay, you know, are we going to do a sub here? Going to get another starter in here at some point? But no, at that point, Scotty Barnes decides, no, okay, I'm going to make this lineup work through by sheer force of will. Steps into that three, gets the end one, sort of mixes it up and creates a whole bunch of stuff for others while he's out there. And, uh, you know, obviously contributes massively on the defensive end as well. Those lineups, or that lineup in particular over this game, plus six in six minutes together, plus one in the first half stretch, plus five in the second half stretch. And, uh, you know, it, it was teetery until it wasn't. And Scotty Barnes decided, you know what, I'm putting this game away. Scotty Barnes is going to play like that. Like, that's the type of dude who can carry four-man bench lineups. Do I think he can do it all the time? No, probably not. But his impact in those lineups is just so noticeable, right? There was um, the one possession where... He kind of flows into a pick and roll. He carries the ball up the floor, walks it up, flows into a pick and roll with Gary Trent Jr. where he becomes the the roll man. He rolls. He draws the attention of both uh, Drew Eubanks and Devin Booker, leaves the kick out wide open for Precious Achua, and Precious hits the three. Just like, that's gorgeous basketball, man. And it's all the impact and the gravity of Scotty Barnes, especially Scotty Barnes as a role man who's just really, really devastating in that position. And that lineup allows that to be a thing they can kind of lean on. Um, yeah, really nice from Scotty Barnes. I also forgot to mention he had this touch pass in the first half. Um, I, I want to say it was for a three by might have been OG, might have been Gary. 
I'm having a hard time remembering the exact. I'm really bad at remembering the exact players involved in plays. I'm realizing not good at this, but uh, <laughs> he, he, you know, he has this beautiful touch pass in the middle of the floor, kicks to the corner for Gary for a three. Might have been OG either way. That was OG. Never mind. But yeah, just uh, I'm a mess. Scotty Barnes was not a mess. It was awesome. And to carry those bench lineups, it was nearly a bad. Do I want to see those lineups all the time? Not really. But if Scotty's going to do that and kind of elevate to that level of sort of lifting up everybody around him, those lineups certainly have a space to be uh, rolled out there as sort of like a developmental agent if, uh, if Scotty's going to do that. Pretty awesome stuff. Let's get to the hmm. What the hell's going on? This team beats the good teams and plays really well against the good teams and kind of leaves you wanting more against the bad teams. I don't really know what's going on here. Yes, this is like extreme 500 team behavior in a lot of ways, but there are different kinds of 500 teams, right? There are 500 teams that kind of beat up on the dregs of the league, lose against the good teams, and it all kind of comes out in the wash. I would much rather be in the position that the Raptors are in, which is they tend to have the juice against the really good teams, offer extremely high entertainment value whenever they play good teams, and they clearly have like some sort of element that makes them a problem for these teams to hang with, whether it's their really good defense, whether it's the difficulty in matching up with all these big rangy wings, like they offer problems for opposing teams. You know, I, I would rather watch banger games against the heavies of the NBA than kind of watch them go chalk every night and beat the teams they should beat and lose to the teams they should lose to. It's harder to sort of evaluate. I think like it, it feels like the taking like on one hand it's like okay well you're beating the good teams it feels like the taking care of business against the bad team should be like an easier thing to do and pull off and like an easier thing to fix than if you're just kind of walking into games and have no formula to beat good teams and can't conjure it out of thin air like i think they're in a better position than if they were just kind of going chalk every night i don't know what it means though like i, I it's it's baffling. <laughs> I'll tell you that. Um, and it's like the record doesn't really fully line up with this. Like they're five and eight against teams over 500. Um, they're four and two against teams under 500. Yeah. You'd like them to be five and one or six and oh, in those games or whatever. But um, you know, I, I still, they very clearly kind of get up for these games where a, they've kind of taken a punch and need to kind of bounce back and B they are uh, you know, kind of up against a team that's going to require their full sort of attention and effort and all that stuff. Like, yeah, you'd like to see them build the habits of just kind of throttling really bad teams and going for the jugular as soon as they can against those teams and not having to rely on, you know, second half comebacks against the wizards and spurs and stuff like that. But um, yeah, I, I don't know what to make of this. I really don't, but I do think it's probably a good thing that they are good against good teams. Like that seems like we're cutting through the noise here that feels like a thing you can kind of latch on to if you're the type of person who thinks there's not that much separating this team from being pretty good. Maybe it's a personnel move or two here and there, you know, a different point guard, a different center, whatever it is. The fact that they can really take it to these good teams, you know, snapping the, the hottest team in the league's winning streak at seven. Like, you know, I know Devin Booker wasn't fully healthy for this game, but the Raptors did not allow a whole lot from Devin Booker in the pockets of the game where he was out there and cooking either. So yeah, I don't know what it means, but it's something to keep an eye on. This sort of weird tendency to kind of oscillate between really excellent against the good teams and kind of blag against the bad teams or middling teams. We'll see. There's a 
you know, the schedule is not going anywhere. There's all sorts of good teams on the horizon. They got the Nuggets coming up soon, I'm pretty sure, before Christmas. They've got a couple against the Knicks, of course. The Heat are, are one of the games added to the schedule from the uh, in-season tournament results and all of that. They'll have some more tests here and, and to see if there actually is something to this whole thing where they play up to their competition. But again, I'd much rather be in a place where I'm playing up to the competition than um, sort of always hapless and, in a, and incapable of beating the really good teams. You know, you think back to like, the mid 2000s Raptors, right? Where, you know, every time you play like a really good team, whether it's like a West heavy or LeBron, you know, you're losing that game, right? Like, you're, yeah, great. You're 500 ish. You're, you're kind of, you know, you're whatever. Yeah. I'm thinking like the 06 to 08 era, basically. They never felt like they had the juice to beat good teams in that era. They had the juice to beat the bad teams in a pretty bad league at that point. It's uh, yeah, it, it's weird, man. We'll, we'll see. We'll see how it all plays out. We'll see what it means, I'm sure, as the season progresses. But now we're at like the 20 game mark, 19 games. Like there's uh, there's some stuff we can kind of say about this team and draw some conclusions. That's actually what tomorrow's episode, I think, is going to be about, trying to draw some conclusions from what we've seen so far and kind of dig into the idea of like growth over the course of the season. Like we take this 20 game barometer as like, oh, well, that means we know what the team is. And a lot of times that's true, but there are some teams, I think, with more capacity for season-long growth than others. And I think the Raptors are probably in that sort of bin, um, considering some of the flashes we've seen and, and the highs they're they're capable of producing. Also, the fact that they have a new coach and they're still kind of getting, uh, you know, ingratiated into what they're doing. But yeah, we'll, uh, we'll cover that and some other stuff, some sort of stray observations and topics on Friday's podcast. We'll leave it there for now. Fun game, man. I enjoyed this quite a bit. And uh, yeah, it's nice to beat the good teams. I'm uh, pretty... Pretty pleased with what went down on Wednesday night. We will leave it there. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thanks for supporting the show, subscribing, following, rating, and reviewing. Uh, joining the Discord, of course. Link is in the description. Come hang out. We'd love to see you in there. Um, but until Friday, we will leave you there, and we will talk to you then. Thanks so much for hanging. Bye-bye. <laughs>